Welcome to Carved to Beautify, a podcast designed to encourage and inspire young women like you to seek a deeper relationship with God and discover His purpose for your life. I'm your host, Alyssa Tangway, and on this episode, I am speaking with Mrs. Kim Strobel. She is an educator, a happiness coach, and a motivational speaker who is going to share some eye-opening research on how to choose happiness and live with an attitude of gratitude. Ms. Kim, thank you so much for being on the podcast. I'm so excited that you're here. And I know that what you have to share is going to be really special and hopefully very meaningful to my listeners and to the other young women that listen to this podcast. So thank you so much for giving your time to do this. Oh, you're welcome. It's my pleasure. I'm so happy to be able to reconnect with you again. So I want to know if you can tell us just a little bit about you um, where are you from? What do you do? How did you get into this? Just give us a little bit of your background. Yeah. So, um, I am a former fourth grade teacher and absolutely loved, you know, walking 180 days a year with kids. And then I decided to like make a move into a literacy coordinator's position. Um, but it was like so hard to leave the classroom because you're so used to like working directly with students, but, I did feel the desire to be in leadership. And so I did like a literacy coordinator's position and then I was a curriculum director. Um, But like probably for a big part of that, I always just had this inner knowing that I was supposed to kind of um, empower teachers, so to speak. And so I started to dream of, opening my own business and traveling around the country to support teachers. But I didn't have a business mind at all. And I had no idea where I was going to find people who would actually hire me to come in and deliver professional development to their teachers, because I was really knowledgeable on a lot of topics from reading to writing to standards-based grading, all of these topics. But, you know, I think that we all have this divine purpose that we're supposed to show up in. And I think that for me, God really kept speaking to me and just kept nudging me. And so my husband, I remember when I told him, I'm going to launch struggle education, I'm going to quit my curriculum director's job, and I'm going to launch in 2016 full time. And how do you feel about it? And he always gets behind me on everything. But he was so scared. He was like, you know, he's like, somebody who really likes his lily pad, which is beneficial. He He's very grounded, but he was like, where are you going to find clients? And we're not going to have a steady paycheck. And, you know, we're, we're going to have to go on my insurance, which isn't as good. And at the time I just like, it was this crazy pull and intuition and whispers. I just kept getting. And I just said like, my soul is just calling me to do this. And so I launched and the right people found me. <laughs> and so I started out providing professional development, which my consultants still do that to this day. They go out and work with schools. And then in 2018, I felt like I had a powerful story to share. So that's when I stepped into the motivational speaking realm. And now that has become like my very favorite thing to do. <laughs> that is so cool. And just so our listeners are aware, that's how um, I was connected with you because there's a 
um, teachers convention in Phoenix that happens for Adventist teachers every five years. And Miss um, Kim spoke there and it was amazing and very inspirational. So that's how this um, was connected. So just for a couple of our um, introduction type questions, I believe I'm just checking here. Yes. So I want you to tell us what is one of your happy places. It can be somewhere that you've traveled. It can be just like a coffee shop that you like, like anywhere, you know, where is your happy place? Well, I think actually, I think I may have spilled the beans to you when we were talking before we began, but I live in Southern Indiana. And so I have about two acres or we do of property and I have this deck and it overlooks the woods and the meadows. And so this summer I, and even this fall, I would do my morning routine out on the deck. Um, and it's just like, I would go out there and do my meditation or do, you know, do my prayer. I would write my gratitudes. I would drink my protein shakes. I have this like routine that I do every morning, you know, and then when I'm finally done, I go exercise and then I'm ready to work. Well, all of a sudden it turned into like, Kim is still out on the deck two hours later. <laughs> and I had, you know, I had taken 19 flights in three weeks time in August and then like September was, you know, like quieter for me. And so I, I just find my own like spirituality and nature. And I was listening to the birds every morning and being thankful they were singing to me. I was looking at the sunshine, the falling leaves. And it's just like, for me, I feel incredibly happy when I'm surrounded in nature and just have that time to kind of connect with myself before I start my day. And I'm also an empty nester. So for people who are like, Kim, how do you even have two hours? You know, and it's like, I have to explain that my life is very different now because we don't have kids anymore at home. So, you know, my mornings, especially when I'm not traveling, can be a slower start. Yeah, I was sitting here thinking like, man, what would that be like? <laughs> I know. Really I nice. know. That's awesome, though. Yeah. I think it's true because like when we have, you know, on the weekends when I'm not taking the students to perform um, for church services on, on Sabbath, I just love to go hiking or, you know, like something. And you're right. Like it's that, I don't know, it's very refreshing. Like I think God put nature there for that purpose. Um, and it's, it's just really special. So I'm glad that's your happy place. Yeah. Um, you kind of answered the, the other intro question a little bit already of like, what makes you feel happy? Um, so I want to move into kind of the topic questions for today and talk a little bit about when did happiness become a choice for you? And with that, how can other people take small steps, you know, every day to like make that a choice? Because sometimes being happy, like if you are in a situation where you're not happy, being happy can seem like this huge mountain to have to climb. So like, how do you make that choice every day? And what are those steps? Yeah, well, I think one of the misconceptions is that happiness is a place that we finally arrive and then we're just happy. And what I'm even still learning about is that happiness, like there's periods where we feel happy and then we feel unhappy, right? Like today, I had a very stressful start to my day and it felt like I was putting out fire. So I entered into unhappiness. And then I got to do some meetings with people who just had smiles on their faces and then my happiness elevated. And so I don't feel like happiness is an end goal. 
I feel like it's like along the journey that we're on and we have mountains to climb and then we have valleys that challenges that happen. And so for me, it's about understanding that we all have the ability to get happier more of the time than not. And so it's like a lot of times when something stressful happens, I can feel the feelings of stress, disappointment, frustration, or whatever, but then can I use the tools that I have to pivot myself out of that quicker? And so I got into all of this because you remember this story on the stage, but your audience probably hasn't heard it. I was, you know, a vivacious high schooler. I played all sports. um, And my sophomore year of high school, I started having these episodes that came out of nowhere where I would be sitting in class or driving my car or participating in basketball practice. And immediately my entire body would get hot. It would begin to shake all over. I would feel sweaty. I felt like I was getting ready to pass out. I felt confused. Like I was in my English language arts class, but everything around me looked unfamiliar and dreamlike. Felt like the walls were closing in on me. I had feelings of unreality. And I started to have these episodes and nobody knew what they were. And what ended up happening is I became really fearful of doing anything by myself. Like, I mean, it was hard for me to even go to class. It was hard for me to drive my car five minutes to work. And so at first I was diagnosed with like low blood sugar. Then they thought I had a seizure disorder. And so now you get into my young twenties and I quit college because I'm having these attacks Um, And my life just continues to get smaller and smaller and smaller to where, you know, I struggle to like walk to my mailbox. I struggle to drive my car to Walmart. um, And I didn't know what was wrong with me. I felt like I was just crazy. Like there was something psychiatrically wrong with me and I didn't know what it was. And I always tell people that, um, I kept this secret for the most part, like hidden and just tried to get through every single day, which was really awful. And every morning when my husband would go to work 15 minutes before I did, I would be left alone at the house and I would stand by the, the phone on the wall at the time. And I would hold it out and have my finger ready to dial 911 at any second should I feel like I was having one of these episodes. And I lived in years of that and it became such a suffering for me that I felt hopeless and I didn't know what I could, I just didn't know how to get out of the suffering. And I had this moment, I think it is a God moment, but I stood by the phone one morning and started to feel the feelings come over me. And I, for whatever reason, just like surrendered it and like walked away from the phone and I walked to my bathroom and I remember laying down on the the plush bathroom four screen mat. And I I always tell people, I I still feel like the, the fill of the bath rug on my cheek and I curled up in the fetal position. And I was like, you know, I was very spiritual person. God had always been a part of my life. And I was ashamed of myself to plead with him in this way. But I said, I feel like every 15 minutes of every day is like a complete 
like suffering for me. And it's, I, I, I'm, I'm living in this fear all the time of, I can't control what my mind and body is doing. And I said, God, I know this, you might not appreciate this, but I need you to take my life. I need you to like cause me to have a car accident or something so that I can be relieved of this suffering. And like the inward part of me, I just like, I always had this fire in my belly. Like I, the, I always say like the inside of who Kim was didn't match the limitations that I was having on the outside. And at that moment I had a revelation or I had some type of message and I heard a voice or I heard something that said, Kim, you know, get up off that bath mat. You are made for more. And like, it started a trajectory of like, then I got into a doctor. I got into a doctor who said, Kim, you know, you're not crazy. What you have is called panic disorder. It's an anxiety disorder that we're just learning about. And you're, it's the chemicals in your brain that are misfiring. And now that you've created that, you're constantly living in fear of the next attack. And so you're becoming agoraphobic and you're trying to stay in safe places all of the time. And so at that time, he put me on Zoloft, which I think saved my life. He got me into a psychologist who did cognitive behavioral therapy with me. And I started to get my hands on self-help books. But then about 10 years ago, I got myself um, I found these, the happiness research and I started reading everything about happiness. Cause I saw that so many people in my life were struggling with living a life that felt good to them. And I was amazed at the happiness research that then I started to kind of go down that trajectory. Wow. Thank you for sharing your story. Um, yeah, it was very impactful to me when I heard it. And so hopefully there's some people here that can resonate with that and find hope in the fact that you're not still on the bath mat, as you said. Um, yeah. That's, that's so amazing how God just like spoke to you in that moment. Cause sometimes I think we feel like, like you said, we're ashamed to bring that, you know, to him. And we're like, Oh, I, I need to hide this part of me. But like, he literally spoke into that, that part. That's amazing. Um, I know I have like chills because I really think that using like I think that I had to have that pain in my life so that I could turn it into my purpose and I could help others not feel so alone and like I always say not everybody has panic attacks but so many people endure such challenges in their life and they keep them to themselves and they feel like they're the only ones and you know I I can step on a stage with 5,000 people. And I think that immediately people think like, oh my goodness, she's like this amazing. And it's like, now I know that while I bring that really powerful person up on stage with me, I also allow the part of Kim who struggled and still struggles at times in her life to be a part of who I am. Mm -hmm. That's really, that's really, like I don't have to hide her anymore. Right. That's what I was going to say. I think sometimes we think like, oh, we have to, we're, we're done with that. You know, like we have to put that away and, and now we're this person, but I think that's really powerful that you can have space for both. Wow. Yeah. The happiness research is amazing. Like I would love to share that. If you think your listeners 
would like it. Yeah, no, tell us a little bit about, about that. What is the happiness research? So what we know is that everybody has what's called a set baseline happiness level. So my set baseline might be here and somebody else's might be a little bit higher. And so what this means is that good things can happen in our life. Like, you know, maybe we get married, maybe we get a new job, um, maybe we get our college degree, maybe something good happens to one of our kids, maybe we go on vacation or we go shopping for the day, whatever it is, our happiness level will go up and it might go up for two hours or two weeks or two months. But what we know is eventually your happiness level is going to come back to whatever your baseline is. And what's interesting is the research proves that the opposite is true as well, that we can have really bad things happen in our life. We can experience um, illness or trauma or adversity or whatever it might be, loss, and our happiness levels do drop, but that for most human beings, they have the ability to reset back to their baseline. And sometimes I fight a little bit with that research because I think, I don't know, right? Like I think maybe if certain things had happened to me, maybe I would have never been able to get back to my baseline. But you and I both know people who have had incredible challenges who go on to, you know, live meaning-filled, joy-filled, purpose-filled lives. It's not that they don't carry that grief with them, but they have found the ability to create forward momentum in their life. And so then a lot of people say, well, Kim, why is my baseline different than your baseline or somebody else's? And so your baseline, if you think of your happiness as a pie chart, what we know is that 50% of your long-term happiness is genetic. It comes from your mom or your dad or a mixture of both. And when I tell this, as you saw in the crowd, so many people laughed, right? They're like, oh my God, this makes so much sense now. Like, you know, I love my mom. Um, but she's really wired towards like picking up all that's wrong versus all that's right, you know, or, um, and so I always laugh when people like drop their heads and like, oh my gosh, yes, 50% is genetic. Shoot. I was hoping it wasn't that high. <laughs> um, but what I found really surprising is that only 10% of our long-term happiness comes from our external circumstances. So basically we can take every experience a human has had, every like what kind of car do they drive, what kind of home do they live in, what kind of profession do they serve in, um did they come from a, a you know this kind a broken family, what was their income levels growing up? Like we can take every single external circumstance, we can throw it all in the pie and the research shows that it only attributes to about 10% of long-term happiness. But if you're like me, Alyssa, you let people or things or situations sometimes steal way more than 10%. <laughs> and so we have to just catch ourselves. Like there are times where if something happens, obviously I'm going to lose more than 10% of my happiness. But if three months later, I'm still letting that person steal my joy that's not on that person. That's on Kim Strobel, right? <laughs> I think the idea of the pie chart is so interesting. Like if we all walked around with pie charts, you know, <laughs> we're like, like you held it up and you're just like, this much is being taken by this person and this much is being taken by work. Like, can you imagine? 
Yeah, maybe AI will create like something like that. And then we can have a visual that says like, oh my gosh, you know, I'm at 99% external circumstances are stealing my happiness. That's a good one, Alyssa. I like that. <laughs> um, yeah. And so anyway, I was then so excited because if 50% is genetic and 10% is our external circumstances, that leaves 40% of the pie. And what we know is that every human be being has the ability to increase their happiness levels by up to 40%. And that has to do with their actions, their thoughts, and their behaviors. So actions, thoughts, and behaviors. And so I just love the idea that we have the ability to increase our happiness levels when we concentrate on 40% of the pie. Wow. Okay. So you're saying that our baseline, is that part of our baseline? Like how do we establish our baseline? I guess. Our baseline comes from all three things, the genetics, the external circumstances, and the actions, thoughts, and behaviors. So I'm going to give you an example. My happiness was just stolen from me, Alyssa, because my husband was in charge of taking our dogs to the vet, like I said, and I'm over here looking at my clock. It says 159. The appointment's at 215. It takes at least 20 minutes to get there. And he is nowhere around. And so I just literally ran and he's in the shower. And I'm like, what is going on? And he has the time. He has the time wrong. So like, I just let an external circumstance, like right now I'm probably at 99% feeling unhappy. <laughs> 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 I gotta pivot. I gotta pivot. <laughs> okay, that makes sense. So then you're saying that depending on how much you let's say you stew over that, that's yes. where it takes longer to drop back to the baseline. You got it. Exactly. Spend all afternoon saying, why was he late? Why didn't he? Then you're gonna stay up here versus if you're just like, okay, that was the thing. Then it yeah, like right now, as you're talking to me, I'm thinking, let it go, Kim, let it go. And then the next thought is there's a note that says 215 on the bar. So like, you know, that inner dialogue is happening in my brain. It's like, I'm going pivot, Kim, pivot, Kim. And then I'm getting angry again. And then I'm like, oh gosh, Kim, don't hold on to this. Right? <laughs> oh, oh, I love weird. that we had a real, thank you, God. Yeah, you real just it's a real, you know. <laughs> So uh, one of the questions that I had written down that I wanted to ask you was, um, and I'm going to read it because it was, I don't know, I liked the way I wrote it, uh, was how can we as women or men, there's sometimes some guys that listen to this, um, push back against succumbing to a life of routine, um, comparison, shame, criticism. I feel like there's there's sort of a, like, put your sweatpants on mentality. Do you know what I mean? Of like, well, I'm just gonna, like you were saying, I'm just gonna hide or I'm just gonna, I'm so busy. Like I'm in this routine. I just got to check all these boxes in my day. And I mean, I found myself, you know, feeling that way sometimes after I get home from work and it's just kind of like, um, how do I not succumb to that? How can I push back and be the, the woman of gratitude, you know, that God wants me to be and, and praise him. I mean, we have all these Psalms that talk about praise. Like, how can I get into that mindset? Yeah. And I think that's the work that we're all trying to figure out because we live in this fast paced world and we're like women, especially, um, 
I have this saying that I feel like women are expected to raise children as if they don't have a full-time job and they are expected to have a full-time job as if they don't have children. Mm-hmm. And what I mean by that is, you know, one or two generations before us, the woman did stay home and she did raise the children and she did the cooking and the cleaning and the grocery shopping and the kids' doctor appointments and all of that. And then the man worked. That has changed. Women are working just as much as men, but what hasn't changed sometimes are the societal expectations that the woman is working full-time and guess what? She still has all, all of that other stuff on her plate. And this is not to put men down. They're modeling probably what was modeled in their own household. But one of the things that we have to do as women as be, is begin to have the conversations with our husbands about sh- more of a sharing of that workload. And um, Eva, let's see, what's her name? She, Eva, I have the book over here. Um, Rotsky, Eva Rotsky has a book called Fair Play. And she teaches us how to have these conversations with our spouses so that we can create a little more ease and flow in our life because it's not it's not fair that we carry the weight of all of that, you know. And so my husband and I, we started that work years ago where, I mean, in our house, he does his own laundry. I'm not doing his laundry. I do my laundry. You know, um, we taught our fifth grade when our son was in fifth grade. He started doing his own laundry. I'm not doing his laundry. He needs to learn how to operate the washing machine. You know, my husband's in charge of the the dishwasher and the trash. Now, does he like, is the trash completely overflowing before he empties it? Yes. But those are his responsibilities. Now, is he currently going through and collecting Christmas list and has any responsibility whatsoever for that or managing any of our kids health stuff or any of that no that that still falls on me and at times it still feels like I'm carrying more of the lion's share of the the what what what's been called the invisible workload of women right and so it's like continuing to have the conversations where I'm not saying it has to be 50-50, but what I am saying is that it is time for us as women to know that we are allowed to ask for help so that we can create more ease in our own life. And guess what? We're going to be happier, better wives when we're not walking around feeling bitter and resentful, (laughs) which is what we we feel, you know, sometimes rightfully so. We're going to be better mothers when we are able to reserve some space that is just for ourselves and that we don't have to feel like we are only good women if we go to bed every night and we've exhausted ourselves until there's nothing left in us. Mm, That makes sense. I feel like I've been reading the book Captivating or Captivated. I don't know if you've read it, Um, but they were talking about a woman at rest versus a woman like striving and just like the heart of a woman, the heart of a woman at rest versus the heart of a woman that's striving and how one invites beauty and the other doesn't. (laughs) Um, Mm. And like how God has, you know, created that, um, created rest, you know, for us and wants us to be a part of that, you know, and extend that to others. And I think that's what you're describing is like, if you want to be a woman, you know, at rest, so to speak, like you have to be willing to ask for help from other people 
Um, that that makes a lot of sense. But I know we're running out of time here, so I have one more question um, that I'm hoping you can answer, and it is just like two things. I want you to share quickly with us where we can um, access more of your stuff, and then secondly, what steps could someone take today? You know, like let's say they listen to this. And they're just like, yes, I love how this sounds, but I have no idea how to get there. Um, what are some practical things they can do? Yep. Um, okay. So I say that the practice of gratitude has completely changed my life. And it's in fact, one of the top five research-based happiness strategies that is known to make one of the biggest effects on your overall baseline happiness level. And the research shows that as human beings, we have about 70 thoughts every single day. And if we're an average human being, what we know is that 80% of those thoughts are negative, which means most of us, when we put our head down on the pillow at night, we're having had, we've had 56,000 negative thoughts. And so much of them are happening in our subconscious mind and they're firing so fast that they're really not even on our radar, but they are happening. And, and they say that of the 80% of thoughts that are negative, 95% of that 80% are the exact same thoughts you had the day before. Now, this is engineered in us because way back when, you know, we have this thing in our brains called the amygdala and back when there were ancient times, the amygdala scanned the environment to look for danger all of the time to protect us from the saber-toothed tiger or a storm that was coming in where we wouldn't have shelter or whatever it might be. The issue is, is it's 2023 and we still have an amygdala and it still looks for danger or negativity in order to protect us. What their research says is that when I can get you to write down three different things that you're thankful for every single day, that we actually create what's called a new neural feedback loop in your brain. And it causes a ripple effect where your brain starts to notice a little more good going on than bad. And that creates a ripple effect and it continues to grow. And so... I tell people to be very specific. You don't have to write a ton, but be very specific. Don't just say like, I'm thankful for my family. You know, I said this morning in my gratitude journal, I'm thankful that our son is flying home from Boston for Thanksgiving next week. Um, don't just say I'm thankful for um, my body. You know, I am thankful that my body allowed me to run five miles today. So we want to kind of be specific, but I will tell you that that is a practice that will completely change a person's life. And it's one of the top five happiness habits. And in fact, we have a gratitude journal and prompt that's like something I can give to you for free. It's a link. And when you download that, it's a PDF that gives you five different prompts to look for gratitude in your life. And then if you want to use the tracker, you can, or you can just use a notebook um, but it's going to help you kind of get started. That sounds great. Yeah. If you want to share it with me, um, I can put it in the show notes and then people can have, um, we can have access that's to good. it. And that's going to put you on my email list too. And so like on Sundays, I try to send a joy drop email out, just like a little happiness habit or a little tip. 
Um, and so, and then the, the two best places for you to find me would be, um, my website is strobeleducation.com. And then my Instagram is Kim Strobel Joy, J-O-Y, because somebody took Kim Strobel. Can you believe that? <laughs> <laughs> but Kim Strobel Joy works, doesn't it? <laughs> okay, I like that. That's my middle name. So that that's good. Oh, that's <laughs> a beautiful middle name. <laughs> well, thank you so much for sharing with us today. And I'm, I've been re-inspired to take up the gratitude um, journaling again. So thank you so much. I really appreciate it. You're welcome. I'm, I'm really happy to be able to talk to your people and just give them a little hope that, you know, sometimes I think it can feel so easy to feel discouraged with life and, and it's okay to have those feelings, but also to know that like, maybe not all of it is out of our control and maybe we can kind of reclaim some parts of ourselves that get lost along the way. Okay, I know it's about to cut off, but I'll send you the release form um, and then I need a picture and that's all I need. Sounds great. I'll send it to you as well. Thank bye bye. You. Bye. Don't forget to follow Carved to Beautify on Facebook or Instagram. Check out our blog, subscribe on Spotify, Google, and Apple Podcasts, and leave a rating or review so that others can enjoy these episodes too. Until next time, may the God of peace himself give you peace at all times and in every way. Blessings as you beautify the world. <laughs>